Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hello. Sorry. It's been a bit longer than I intended, but welcome everybody to the first Dissecting Dexter of 2013. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you finally from the mobile studio deep in the heart of a very windswept but very beautiful rural North Yorkshire, England. And yeah, I, I did say that I'd be having a break after Christmas. I did the feedback podcast uh, just before New Year. And said, oh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I even gave a deadline. How arrogant of me. God, I should be giving myself deadlines. <laughs> Never mind you guys. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it's been a bit longer than I intended. But, um, well, what can I say? It's been mad busy at work. Um, a few of you have been in touch. Uh, chasing up on me and seeing where I am. Is everything okay? And is the podcast coming back? And stuff like that. And thank you for, for staying in touch. Everything is okay. Just work's been mad busy. We're, we're rolling out a, a big new net network across North Yorkshire, uh, which is all good fun and, and great for business uh, and job security and all that good stuff, but not good for podcasting because um, if I've had a full hour for lunch this month, even once, then I'd consider myself lucky that that's through January. And as you know, I do record in my lunch hour, so... Um, Time has been a very precious commodity and, um, well, here we are. It's the beginning of February now. I'm recording a month later than I intended to. And uh, I'll say sorry for the last time. There we go. Do you forgive me? <laughs> uh, right, so I hope everybody uh, is enjoying 2013 so far. January, of course, is a real shitty month. It's midwinter and post-Christmas blues. We've all, hopefully, had a great Christmas and New Year and... Well, it's just, you get in the doldrums, don't you? The weather's rubbish, apart from our, our good friends in Australia and, uh, well, everyone else in the Southern Hemisphere who's enjoying summer. <laughs> but um, it's it's been really grotty here. We've had snow on and off for, all, well, most of, probably two-thirds of January. Um, I've had a few days working from home because of the weather and, you know, I enjoy that. But unfortunately, I've been too busy when I've been doing that to... Uh, uh, to even record while I've been working from home, as I do cheekily sometimes do, as, as um, I've probably mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, but of course, it's always been a, in my mind, I need to get recording, I need to prepare. You guys bothered to send me your votes. <laughs> and uh, thanks to everybody who has, I had a, a great response with a good number of, of votes for your top five moments of season seven. And we'll be getting into that in just a moment. Tell you what, enough of my waffle, because... You've had enough time away from the podcast to... I'm sure you're all keen to uh, hear some Dexter stuff again. So let's let's dive into it. Enough crap from me. <laughs> um, right, some Season 8 news. No spoilers, of course. I don't want to be spoiled, and I'm sure most of you don't either. So um, this will be a, a spoiler-free zone today. Uh, but what I can say is that um, we do know that Season 8... Well, there, there's been a fair bit of Season 8 news since I last spoke to you. There's been some casting news already and one or two tidbits about new characters. Uh, I won't be going through any of that now. Uh, as I say, spoiler-free zone. We do know the writers are working on Season 8 under the presumption that this is the final season. Scott Reynolds confirmed that on Twitter. Um, and, in fact, he's been a good source of information over the last several months um so thank goodness he's there <laughs> and very responsive so if you follow j scott amy on twitter and uh, have any questions then um he's, he's pretty good at responding usually uh hi scott if you're listening <laughs> he probably isn't but hey said it anyway uh right yes yeah, so uh, the writers have been busy since november i believe working on season eight and um Scott, again, tweeted this week that he's working on the script for episode 5 currently. And I think it was episode 5 he did last year. Was that Swim Deep, I think? So, they're well into the season, script-wise. And filming is imminent. It's been reported to begin 
next week, February the 11th. So only a few days left for them to learn their lines for the first episode. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter tweeted last week that they'd had the first read-through of uh, of the first episode. Uh, a table read, it was. And uh, they had a production meeting. And uh, she said in her own inimitable way that... Um, what was it she said? I, <laughs> I could paraphrase her. Uh, I think she said, we're going to fuck you up this season. Or something, something along those lines. <laughs> And, of course, we'd hope for nothing less, <laughs> would we? Also, Season 8 is going to have 12 episodes, just like every other season. There were rumours that it might be a longer season, brought about mainly because the season is premiering on June the 30th and not in September. So it spawned all sorts of rumours and hopes that maybe they'd have uh, an extended season. Some suggested that um, the... The fact that the, the the season is going to be on the TV at the end of June is because there'll be a longer season and there'll be more episodes, maybe for reasons of syndication. We speculated that maybe they were shooting earlier because we also knew that they were going to be filming uh, sort of back end of the winter, uh, that they'd maybe they'd be doing this uh, to accommodate Michael C. Hall's schedule if he's got other projects coming up that he's dying to get into. The actual reason it turned out is that Showtime wants a strong lead-in for a new show that they're airing in the summer called Ray Donovan. Their other big drama, Homeland, is going to serve a similar purpose in the autumn, presumably filling the scheduling space vacated by Dexter. The best thing about this, of course, all the speculation aside now, is that we don't have to wait so long to see season eight, so let's be happy about that and... You know, it'll be nice to podcast week by week through the summer rather than shivering in a cold car through autumn and w early winter. <laughs> so it won't be such a bad thing for me, but of course it may mean that I, I have to take a week off uh, for my summer holiday. So, you know, I'll, obviously I'll let you know about that a lot nearer the time. We've we've not even booked anything yet, but um, yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But obviously with filming about to start, there'll be more and more spoilers out there set photos, episode descriptions, casting news I've mentioned, episode titles, which are generally non-spoilery, except maybe for the finale last year, which was a bit of a doozy. Um, but if you want to stay spoiler-free, then take care out there, because information is gradually accumulating. Hi, this is Josh Cook, and you're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Right. Obviously, we're here. This episode is devoted to a farewell to season seven which i think on the face of it when all said and done i think we all enjoyed some more than others there were one or two negative aspects to the season as usually there are uh but on the whole a pretty good season i'm sure you'll agree and i was pretty flooded with uh your nominations the way i did it um i i took your well obviously i took your nominations i asked you to rank them in order uh, now, obviously, it's a fairly arbitrary way of doing this, but what I did, as you graded your moments from five down to one, being your best, the number one spot I gave five points, the number two spot got four, and so on, and then your number fifth, your number fifth, your number five ranking, I gave one point. I added all your nominations together, scored them all, and basically took your the, the top five scores and uh, they're the five i'm going to present today where uh, you guys and i know it was hard I, I appreciate it was very hard in a season full of good moments it was really hard to narrow them down to five never mind ranking them in in order of, of favorite to um fifth favorite very hard so um you know i did it myself my nominations are in here uh i made sure i didn't have the casting vote that wouldn't be fair so it didn't influence me at all the, the nominations you made um, but those of you who didn't rank uh, from one to five, just gave me five, your, your five favourites, equal favourites, if you like. I just gave them each one point. And it, in, in one or two cases, it did make a difference. So as arbitrary as that might seem, here we are, for better or worse. And I think you'll agree the top five is a pretty good top five. So enough from my waffle. Let's Let's get into your nominations, your votes, the results for the top five moments as voted for by you and me, <laughs> the listenership and host of Dissecting Dexter. The top five moments of season seven of Dexter. 
The top five highlights from Dexter season seven. As voted for by you, the listeners of the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Number five. Did you do this for me? No. How do you feel? What does that make me? Human. From episode four, Run, written by Wendy West, who's written so many good episodes in the past. In my review podcast, I commended this one in how everything that happened was connected to Dexter in some way. Nothing segmented off and irrelevant. It maintained the high level of intensity that had been established by the previous three episodes, making sure we were all still really excited and upbeat and positive for a a top notch uh, first class season. Of course, we know now that (laughs) the middle act slackened the pace a bit, but for now, I was still feeling like this could end up being one of the very best Dexter seasons. It's still definitely one of the better ones, but you know what I mean. So, the build-up to this scene was smartly paced. It progressed very quickly. Deb's knowledge of Dexter increasing exponentially for a while there. It was all set up to put her in a place where she could start to understand where Dexter could have a place. Even if she might never condone murder, she could start to empathise with why he targets the people he does. She started to understand why some people could very well deserve it. And this scene in the car was a little bit of an an, an epiphany for her, because she feels glad that Speltz is gone. She wasn't upset in the slightest. Here was a serial killer who even threatened her. They tried it her way first, but someone else died as a consequence. She trusted the legal system, but the legal system failed on a technicality and Speltzer went free to probably go and do it again and again, so Dexter's gone in and done it his way. Naysayers might argue it was all too conveniently constructed as a plot device to illustrate how Dexter can be useful at just the perfect time in the proceedings. Yeah, (laughs) okay, but Dexter seasons are only 12 episodes long, and it certainly was a perfect illustration of what Dexter does, or rather, of how what Dexter does can be of benefit to society. It was a wonderfully written scene, beautifully played by Hall and especially Jennifer Carpenter, and nicely shot as well. Credit all round to the crew. It's one of my own highlights of the season, and at the time I said it could be one of my favourite ever scenes in the show. Something awful about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. The fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You glide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. You are one creep, motherfucker. Number four. From the same episode as the last scene comes your vote for the number four position. It's the preceding scene which gave us a terrific kill scene, albeit a slightly unconventional one. It was darkly funny and significant for Dexter personally. Fuckers. The end of your run. Get me out of here! 
Yell all you want, no one's gonna hear you. Slice your cheek with my scalpel and get a drop of blood to remember you by, but I can't risk anyone finding a blood slot ever again. You're a fucking freak. Everything's different now. The memory of killing you will have to be enough. I'm gonna kill you. That would be a twist. Not one that's gonna happen tonight. supposed to be a way out of the tangle I was in with my sister. A thread she could follow to understand me better. To accept me, even. But she and I lost each other. She almost lost herself going after you. She wanted to catch you just as much as I did. Who knows, maybe our relationship can arise from your ashes. No. No. Such a great scene. Probably one of the best ever kill scenes for the show, I'd say. Dexter mimicking Speltzer there, which I think they said on the wrap-up podcast, if I remember rightly, that Michael C. Hall was improvising. There was no shrink wrap and no blood slide, moving away from his usual M.O. He didn't use shrink wrap for the Estrada kill in the finale either. He was restrained with plastic zip ties. But as I said, this was significant for Dexter personally, as he burns his precious slide collection along with Speltzer's body, symbolic of Dexter making a gesture to Deb and moving on as a killer. It brought an end to an enjoyable two-episode arc for Speltzer. An enjoyable storyline. Credit to actor Matt Gerald for his performance, and physically he cut a very intimidating figure. It's not very often someone can match Dexter in a fight. I wonder what sort of kills Dexter will make in the final season. What sort of kill scenes we'll get. I'm looking forward to some unconventional ones. Number three. The slower-paced mid-season had a lot of viewers wondering if the season peaked too soon with those amazing first few episodes. It arguably did, but the rest of the season certainly had some really great moments and developments, and episode 8, Argentina, had two or three of them. One was in contention for a place in your top five for a while, the scene in the gay bar between Dex and Isaac, which was certainly being my own top six or seven scenes of the season. And, I don't know, maybe on a different day would have been in my top five, but the scene that got most of the votes was this one. Look what happened to her husband, Dexter. She doesn't have the best track record with men. I don't even want to talk about the fucking body trail that you've left in your love life. I'm not asking your permission, Deb. So you don't care what it does to me? I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> Guess what you did? You picked the one way that you could hurt me worse than you could ever fucking understand. <sighs> You told me you accepted me being a killer. I feel like if you love me, you'll accept this. If I love you, if I love you, I went to the church that night that you killed Travis Marshall to tell you that I'm in love with you. You're in love with me? Oh, oh my God. Was... I don't even know if I fucking like you. <laughs> Just... Oh, forget it. What do you mean you're in love with me? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that. I, I know it's weird and it's gross and it's... Fucked up. I know you don't feel the same. 
I don't even know if I feel the same. I mean, it's one thing to be in love with your brother, but it's a whole other level to be in love with your brother, who's a goddamn fucking serial killer. <laughs> You're a serial killer, and I'm more fucked up than you are. Again, just brilliant work from Jennifer Carpenter, who completely embodies Deborah and has really cemented the character as the heart of the show for me. I said on the finale podcast that while Dexter might be the focus of the show, Deb is without doubt the heart of the show, the heart and soul. This was a scene I personally found quite moving. You really felt for her, laying herself bare, something she's always found really, really hard to do to open up. Dexter's reaction wasn't altogether surprising. He was like a rabbit frozen in the headlights. I mean, he's always struggled to really know what to say or do when someone talks to him like this. It was a bolt from the blue in this instance. He, he had no idea she felt like that. And I'll say again, no, not poor Deb. <laughs> I'll say again that the Deb in love with, although poor Deb does apply. <laughs> I'm interrupting myself. Um, the Deb in love with Dexter thing last year laid the groundwork for much of Deb's actions this year. Most of us, myself in particular, slated it at the time. But I have to give credit to the writers now for laying the groundwork and planning ahead like that. It added so much more weight to Deb's dilemma this season, following her heart over her head. So, maybe that mantra comes back, trust the show. <laughs> oh, we have little faith. Let that be a lesson to us. You might still argue that sisterly love ought to have been enough, but the confusion Deb felt about her feelings, whether she really was in love with him or not, it all just served to motivate her into ultimately supporting Dexter. And the mess it made of her head led her into taking pills and later taking the action that she did at the end of the finale. Really compelling writing I think and again wonderful acting from Jennifer she really really deserves award recognition for her work okay let's take a break from the countdown to turn to some of your feedback since the finale podcast listener feedback Grand from the Dextercast emailed to say, uh, referring to the finale podcast I did with Matt, Mike and Nick. Bob says, I think this was your best discussion yet. I like season seven quite a bit and I'm really looking forward to season eight as this will be the first time we believe that Dexter could get killed or caught. I actually prefer season six to season five and don't think it's particularly close. I think that there are two main reasons why Six is hated. One is the Deb Loves Dexter storyline, which everyone hated. After watching season seven, there was less reason to be worried than we had feared. The other problem was that Geller not being real was something that everyone had figured out very early on, but they treated it as a big reveal. I don't think it's a good season or anything, but it had its moments. The ending was great, and Lewis was a fascinating new character that they didn't develop later on. For me, the most important thing is always characters, and I think Five fails miserably in this regard, changing their personalities at will to fit plot points. Quinn is the worst offender here, but the LaGuerta and Batista marriage is another example, and both characters, the new female cop, the Irish babysitter, even Lumen, and plot lines, the Santa Muerta killings, all disappear for no apparent reason. The Dextercast recently recorded our Season 7 recap podcast, much shorter though, and I'm sure to Travis's dismay, all of us liked Hannah. While I also would have liked to have seen Lewis be Dex's adversary this season, I think that Hannah has the same possibilities going into next season. She's smart and skillful and has a legitimate reason to resent Dexter. I don't think that Moriarty cannot be a female. Thanks very much, Bob. You make some very valid points and a good argument for why season six ought to be considered better than season five. If I remember rightly, 
I, well, I, I imagine what you've said there is probably prompted by, and I say, if I remember rightly, during the finale podcast, did I put season five ahead of season six? I'm thinking I might have done. Now, this is probably one of those things where maybe on a different day I would have reversed that. And I'm not making any excuses uh, <laughs> because I can see an argue. I can see your argument why six should be considered better than five. There were too many negatives from season five, and there were a reasonable number from season six. Not least the fact that both seasons were the show was kind of spinning its wheels. Without progressing Dexter an enormous amount. I did appreciate the relationship with Lumen in season 5 more than quite a few people did. Uh, you mentioned Travis, we know his feelings on Lumen. I, I appreciated Dexter exploring a new relationship with somebody else. Um, where the nature of the relationship was very different to how things develop with Rita things with Lumen happened a lot quicker and a large proportion of that will probably be down to Dexter grieving uh, maybe his judgment clouded a bit we know he was trying to make amends for the responsibility he was bearing for, for Rita's demise and the conclusion at the end was that maybe he's destined to be alone and who knows, maybe he still is. But I appreciated that exploration. Even though I wasn't... Compl oh, what, am I, what am I trying to say? I've lost my train of thought now. There was a spark there and then it disappeared as quickly as it came. No, it's gone. Um, season 6... It didn't. It wasn't as guilty of just letting things drop like Season 5 was. So in that regard... Um, I, I, I can't argue with you. <laughs> um, Dexter exploring religion. I that was a big thing. Well, not religion. Well, yeah, he dipped a toe in religion, but it was more of uh, sort of spiritual ideas, spiritual notions and, and considering that sort of thing. Uh, at the, for want of a better way of putting it, you know what I mean. Um, I appreciated that. I don't, know, I don't really want to get bogged down too much in discussing previous seasons here, as this is a, a season seven farewell. But um, no, t just sort of in conclusion, you, you make some very good points, Bob, and um, thank you for them. OK, moving on. Uh, Jacob Newman emailed and picked on some stuff he didn't like about season seven. Lewis dying in episode three. I understand why he had to die, but it was a shame. I didn't like most of the scenes between Dexter and Hannah. I liked Hannah the most in episode 12 when she was angry and symbolically wore black. I didn't like the plot arc between Quinn and Nadia. It was the worst plot arc of the season in my opinion. And Hannah's father in episode 10. Jim Beaver is a great actor and I like him, but wasted as a plot device. Thanks Jacob. If you are a fan of Jim Beaver you ought to be watching uh, Justified because he's popping up in a uh, a supporting role in that at the moment. Yeah, everybody knows my feelings about Lewis uh, and, and what happened to him. Obviously, we've we've talked about the reason why Josh Cook had to leave the show when he did. Uh, we, we know it was prematurely and the writers wouldn't have gotten rid of Lewis so early had Josh not been tied up with, um, with his theatre commitments. So who knows what would have happened to Lewis had things been a bit different there. Uh, yeah, Hannah was intriguing in episode 12. Um, I wasn't as averse to her character as quite uh, um, a few people were. Uh, I was much more on board with things personally. Uh, but I did enjoy seeing her, her darker side more clearly on display there. That was good. Quinn and Nadia. Um, I did appreciate how early in the season what Quinn was doing had more of a connection to what affected Dexter. Um, but he kind of took a kind of deviated from um, the main direction of, of the season. And um, there were one or two moments I enjoyed. I, I, I did like the moment where he, he stuck, stuck up for Nadia and, and took out George. 
what else can I say about that? Uh, maybe the fact that I'm struggling to say anything else says it all. Um, yeah, it wasn't particularly interesting in the end. And, you know, I've talked about Quinn before. I, I just really hope that characters aren't really wasted uh, next season. And, and I'd include Masuka in there because I think he was definitely wasted this year. And, and that was a shame. Uh, Masuka is, is, of course, a, a much more popular character than, than Quinn. Okay, thanks Jacob. Uh, we move on to an email that came in just at the 11th hour. Um, but uh, I've, I've stuck it into my notes, so um, here we go. It's it's from Heidi King, who is uh, a fellow Brit. She comes from Peterborough, a bit further south in England from where I am. But, but she emailed to say, I discovered the joys of podcasting a couple of months ago, and yours is by far my favourite. I've been listening to the entire catalogue on a constant loop while I'm at work and I like hearing you describe the weather as you look out the window in your car while I'm looking at and thinking about the weather and watching it out of my window. I think it must be an English thing to be obsessed with the weather. <laughs> yes, Heidi, <laughs> definitely an English thing, I think. And uh, I don't know whether some of our American listeners find it a bit quaint <laughs> how I keep mentioning it. <laughs> anyway, she says, on to Dexter. I love the show. Much like podcasting, I came to it late and watched the entire series so far on DVD within the space of two months. I love every season, but my favourite is season three, contrary to the rest of the world, or so I'm left to believe. Wow, yeah, I would say so, Heidi. <laughs> but, um, you know, opinions and all that, that's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Heidi goes on to say, I've really enjoyed season seven and my favourite moment was when Dexter walked into his apartment and saw Deb sitting there with all his kill tools laid out. Deb is my favourite character and I've really enjoyed her development over the series as a whole and particularly this series. I quite like Hannah as a character as well but this could be because Yvonne Strahovski plays Sarah Walker in Chuck which is my all-time favourite programme and I automatically have a soft spot for anything Chuck related. I have a couple of crackpot theories as to what could happen in Series 8. I don't actually think any of these will happen, but I guess that's why they're called crackpot theories. 1. Hannah will come back, and now that Deb has killed someone in cold blood, she will not hate Hannah anymore, as she can now understand the urge to kill for self-preservation. The three of them will team up in some way. OK, Heidi, responding to that, um, I don't know. We, we know... Once Deb takes a dislike to somebody, <laughs> she doesn't let it go very easily. And, of course, Hannah did try to kill her, so um, I don't think she'll forgive that in a hurry. <laughs> but, as you say, crackpot theory. And, uh, well, it's the final season. Anything can happen. Heidi's second theory is that there'll be a new serial killer who is similar to Dexter, as many people have guessed. But because Showtime wants to continue the series and Michael C. Hall doesn't, they will continue Dexter for a season nine and just have a new serial killer as the main character for the new series, like a Dexter version of the new series of Scrubs, where it has a few of the old characters bobbing around, but a new focal character. That's an interesting possibility whether they'll have a sort of semi-spin-off show with whatever state Miami PD is left in <laughs> at the end of season eight. And who knows how many will be left standing. It could be carnage. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we know this is a flagship show for Showtime, so there's money to be made there. But would the series be anywhere near as popular without Dexter, without Michael C. Hall there holding everything together? I don't know. I mean, if Deb was still around, I'd certainly still be interested, but, well, time will tell. Heidi finishes off by just saying, what I really think will happen, though, is that in the end, the investigation is going to continue with someone, probably a combination of Matthews and Batista, going to work everything out. And Deborah is going to be, is going to be implicated in the whole debacle, and Dexter is going to end up turning himself in to protect her, and planting evidence to show that he is the one who shot LaGuerta, and keep Deb out of it. He will give himself up to protect her. Thanks very much, Heidi. That last paragraph there, I can really see that happening. That would make for a very emotionally charged finish to the show. Um... And some redemption for Dexter, because he brought Deb to this place, to, to where she finished season seven, murdering somebody. Um, 
And I think Dex is going to f- carry a lot of guilt and, and really carry shoulder the responsibility, the burden of the responsibility for that happening. And rightly so. It is all his fault. It would be redemption for Dexter. It would be tragic. Uh, it would be... It would obviously bring the show to a... I think it would be quite a satisfying conclusion to the show and a a, a very plausible and sad, but, I don't know, arguably satisfying conclusion to his character and his story arc, sacrificing himself for someone he cares about. Now, that would be a, a quite a... I don't want to use the word satisfying again. <laughs> it would be a very satisfying end point for his character journey to do that yeah i can see that happening and i, I do think Batista's going to be on the trail i wouldn't be surprised if queen gets brought in and maybe matthews i don't know it's it's going to be a it's going to be a tough season i think emotionally okay that's your feedback let's get stuck back into the countdown here we go Number two. Did you kill all these people? I did. Are you... Are you a serial killer? Your number two pick comes from the first episode of the season, an episode that wasted no time at all in diving right into Deb's discovery and leaving us thinking, bloody hell, (laughs) if they are revealing all this in episode one, what the hell's in store for the rest of the season? For much of the episode, we were thinking, okay, she's seen him kill one person and now implicated herself by helping him cover it up. One killed Dexter could potentially talk around to thinking it was a one-off, despite the ritualistic nature of it. But of course, it didn't all sit well with her, and she proceeded to sniff around, and did she ever hit the mother load? Unfortunately, Showtime spoiled this in the preview trailers for the season, showing all Dexter's tools laid out. And there's a lesson to all of us (laughs) for looking at the trailers pre-season, but it's hard to resist. (laughs) And it was still a surprise to have her find this so early in the season. I I didn't expect that. It was a true holy shit moment. And and a scene I I sat and watched in stunned silence thinking, well, it's all out there now. No going back for Deb and Dexter or, or the show as a whole. And indeed there wasn't. And they didn't even try to, not for a second. And I give the writers credit for this too. It was all systems go and pressing forward towards whatever the end game is next season. Listener Tom in Poland, he did put this in his top five moments, but he asks if the are you a serial killer question that Deb asked was really necessary. And on the face of it, it does seem like quite an obvious question, but personally, I think it was necessary. She wanted to hear him say it, like she couldn't believe it until she hears him admit it even though she probably probably knew the answer already and, and knew it the second she opened the aircon unit and found the tools and the slides. It was a great moment for the show and a nice cliffhanger to have us really chomping at the bit for episode two. Number one. A pretty clear winner in the end and a worthy winner. This season had plenty of intense scenes, moments that rank up there with the best of them. But this scene in the container is the culmination of all that. It's the point that everything in the show so far has brought us to. What needs to be done? I can't kill her. 
You need to leave. I need to finish this. Arthur, you can't. I can. And I will. No, fuck Jesus, Death, you can't do this. It's the only solution, the only way to end this. No, 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 I can't let you go through with this. Shoot him, Deb. You have to end this. Shoot him. Stop! Do it, Deborah. Shoot him. Do it! Shoot him! This is not who you are. You're a good cop. You're a good person. You're not like him. Put him down! It's tragic for Deb, of course. She's broken. I don't know where she'll go from here. She's committed murder. No two ways about it. Even if they get away with it, and we don't yet know how they'll try, there didn't seem to be much time for them to have disposed of the body, or bodies. But if she gets away with it, Deb will carry this burden in her head. She'll never be able to suppress the power of what she's done, the magnitude. She's such a fragile person who tries to put on this mask of bravado, but we know who she is. It's a terrible place for her to be in, but perhaps an organic progression of the series and Dexter's unintentional poisoning of every, if not nearly every, relationship he's ever had, hurting the people he cares about. The look on his face as Deb sobbed over LaGuerta's body was something to behold. Go back and freeze-frame it. Wonderful performance by Carpenter, sorry, wonderful acting by Hall there. The look of, oh my God, what have I done to her, on his face. Dex has always tried to protect Deb, but ultimately he was unable to protect her from what might have always been the biggest threat, himself. It's a tragic place for him to be in too, knowing that he bears the responsibility for this, entirely, their relationship as brother and sister was already changed irrevocably. Who dares to wonder where their relationship can go from here? Personally, I wouldn't be at all surprised if next season we have Deb putting a gun in her mouth, unable to live with what's happened. Whether she pulls the trigger or not is another matter, but I wouldn't be surprised if she contemplates it. I predict more great work from Jennifer Carpenter in season 8, and her acting in this season's ending was top-notch. I think we mentioned in the finale podcast that her sobbing and rushing to cradle LaGuerta's body was not in the script. It was all natural by Carpenter, and they left the camera running. Good call by director Steve Schill, because the sight of Deb, devastated in absolute pieces, cradling the body of LaGuerta, was gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. Because, let's face it, LaGuerta had made Deb's life pretty difficult at times, not listening to her, setting her up for falls, not to mention her butcher investigation that threatened to end the freedom and lives of Deb and Dexter, never mind their careers. But Deb wears her heart on her sleeve. She's got a heart of gold, although there might have been an emotional element of one colleague saying goodbye to another with Lauren Velez leaving the show. Whatever it was, it works brilliantly. Among your comments about the season's climax, Haddon Phillips highlighted Deb saying, Oh God, just like at the end of season six, except that time it was Dex who said it. Great writing. And I agree with you, Haddon. I'm sure that wasn't just a coincidence. Brian Seymour from Pennsylvania said, I believe one of the most underrated and my favourite moment of the season is right before the biggest moment in the finale, right before LaGuerta arrives in the shipping container and far before Deb is there. 
when Dex is having his traditional conversation with Estrada before killing him, and they're discussing what kind of killer he is, and that, quote, tonight he is a different one. Estrada, of course, tries to relate to Dexter by saying, I hear you, bro, I hear you. After Dexter's wondering at what kind of killer he is, Estrada asks, so what are you? And from a dark, empty, lonely, yet confident place, Dexter exclaims, I'm just a creep motherfucker, and plunges the knife through Estrada. This scent chills down my spine and is the reason the show is so great. Dexter revelling in his De Niro taxi driver-esque loneliness, yet still happy and confident. I thought it was a brilliant scene and reminded me why I love this show and that its core is Dexter's loneliness. Thanks, nice comment, Brian. It is during the kill scenes that we see Dexter's darkness on full display. And you're right about Dexter's loneliness. He could feel lonely in a crowded room, but isn't that the hallmark or one of the hallmarks of a sociopath? So, for the winning scene, it's the gold medal. But really, any of four or five scenes had valid claims, and there were plenty more that were in the running for one of the lowest spots. Many of your Many of you guys commented in your emails to me how hard it was to narrow it down to just five. I had trouble myself because, as I said, I voted two, and it pained me to cut my final six down to five. This could have easily been a top ten podcast and had ten very strong scenes to talk about. But I think we can safely say that all this shows what a strong season we've had. It might not have been the best, but after two very average seasons, Dexter has bounced back. And shown, it can, and shown it can still produce some of the best, most intense drama on TV. Roll on season eight. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. So that's season seven done with for the podcast. Moving forward, we're going to go back and return to the season two rewatches. The next episode will be Season 2, Episode 11, Left Turn Ahead. Things coming to a head with Lila, of course. So if you've got any comments about that episode, maybe you want to re-watch it first so you can comment, then you'll be very welcome. Email them to me, as always, at the usual address, dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a voice recording file, MP3, iPhone voice recording, whatever format you choose, you can email it to me there. Or there's always the listener lines. In the US, it is 646-222-6122, which is a phone number you can access internationally as well, although, of course, international call rates will apply. In the UK, it's 0844-579-6949, and with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320. You can also tweet me, at DissectDexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK, and the Facebook page. Hop onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and find the page. So, we've got two Season 2 episodes left to go over before we get into Season 3. How far I get into Season 3 before Season 8 starts in the summer remains to be seen. <laughs> Place bets now. But I'll do my best, I promise. My work has got a lot busier this year, and it doesn't look like letting up any time soon. It doesn't enable me to have too much free time to record during the day. Hopefully it'll be okay for the summer when season 8 airs and I can keep up. But who knows? <laughs> I shall endeavour to do my very best and uh, keep the podcast coming to you. Obviously if there's any unforeseen delays, I shall update you on the Twitter feed or on Facebook. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> so that's it for season seven. It was a good one, I thought. I did summarise my overall feelings on the season in the finale feedback podcast and the finale discussion show that I did with um, Nick, Matt and Mike. <laughs> I had to think then. It was about a month and a half ago now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so I won't go over them again now. But uh, yeah, good season and really sets things up for an intense and, at this point, very unpredictable season eight and final season. 
it's with some sadness that we know this is going to be it. This is going to be the end. But um, season seven didn't, uh, didn't disappoint for me. And I'm really glad. Had it been a disappointment, I think we'd have been approaching season eight with some trepidation. But I think we're in a good position. I think we're in safe hands. And I think it's going to be a pretty amazing swan song for Dexter. And for those of you who don't tune in for the rewatches and just listen to my season, my podcast as they cover the latest season, then thanks for joining us for season seven. And that'll be it until the summer when I hope you'll come back and we'll dissect season eight together. Those of you who stick with me throughout, through the rewatches and everything else, all my other guff and waffle and who knows, maybe there'll be an interview or two between now and the summer. I really hope so. Uh, I've not... Um, uh, I've not given up in, in, in that regard. So, yeah, I hope you'll stick with me and uh, dissect some more Dexter, hopefully in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Who knows? I say that. Uh, but we'll get back to the rewatches and uh, return to season two. So um, whether you're a regular listener or an occasional listener, your support, feedback and downloads are greatly appreciated and and special thanks to those of you who have signed up for an audible trial this season it really has made a difference to me and helped um cover some of the outlay that um i I shell out to to pay for the podcast the, the voicemail line and and skype credit for the calls and um one or two other bits and pieces uh, so thank you very very much anyone who does want to support me in that way it doesn't cost you a penny all you need to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash dexter and you sign up for a free one month trial during which time you can get a free audio book and choose from any of their thousands and thousands of audio book titles fiction and non-fiction uh, you can cancel before the month is expired and you don't owe them a penny uh but as long as you sign up for that trial, it does give me a little kickback and uh, really does help support the podcast. So um, thanks to those who have done and thanks in advance of, of anybody who, who does in the future. So that's it from me for season seven. Thanks very much, everybody. And uh, until we get together again very soon to dissect some more Dexter. Take care, guys. Speak to you soon.